Shazam. Shazam and the Fury of the Gods destroying our baseball stadium? How dare they? Just for the light The only thing we're all just too uptight And everybody knows they've got the right Cold passions, roaming your factions No taste for facts, the old days are back What is going on, fellow streamers? Welcome back to your regularly scheduled program. I know last week was a, a lot of jumping and all over the place, uh, but we are back. Not the entire trio, because the Elvis did catch Dylan. Confirmed. According to multiple sources close to the situation, Dylan caught the Elvis without the death. And as far as I know, without the drugs. Um, but hopefully Dylan will be back next week. Um, but it's KB and Christian back for a full episode, which is going to be fun. Uh, we're going to get into the penultimate episode of The Last of Us. I'm going to break down The Mandalorian Episode 2 for uh, Season 3. We'll get into Poker Face Episode 5. And then we've got a very Oscars preview heavy streaming platform, Multiverse News and Notes. Uh, but Christian, last week when we had some of our guest hosts, I do want to thank Russ and Keith for hopping on last week filling in to uh, talk about The Last of Us and The Mandalorian. Post-show, I was I was looking at our background. If you're watching on YouTube, which you, you should be, uh, and it kind of just looks like, you know, when you take a photo and stretch it really, really hard and really, really long. And then I was looking at our YouTube thumbnails that we use, and I felt like our background needed a little bit of an update. Uh, so if you're watching on YouTube, uh, we're going to update it in 3, 2, 1 and make it, you know, almost 8K. There we go. A little bit, a little bit cleaner, a little bit nicer, uh, and a lot more uh, viewable and a lot easier on the eyes. But before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at Streamer SZN, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, follow Christian on Twitter at the Wiz underscore PHI. Follow Dylan on Twitter at Dylan Mazzola. Tweet at Dylan. Hashtag Feel Better Dylan. Uh, if you're a real one and you can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311, subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Leave a five-star rating and review. Does go a long way for helping the show continue to grow. Helps more people find streamer season and it lets us do more fun and cool stuff with you guys, uh, with the more subscribers we get. So go subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple, Spotify, leave a five-star review, and I'll say the line for Dylan, leave your show and movie recommendations in the Apple podcast reviews. We read them, so we want to see what you want us to watch. Uh, and also, make sure you are subscribed to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. That is where you get full video episodes of Streamer Season and every podcast on our network. You get clips, shorts, live streams, original video content. It all goes on the YouTube channel. 
as of this recording, we are currently sitting at 413 subscribers on the YouTube channel. Let's keep that number going. Let's keep it rolling. On that road to 500, on that road to 1K, you guys already know what happens when we get to 1K. October, when we go to New York Comic Con, Dylan's got a cosplay as some a character from a show, movie that we've watched on the show. Uh, so go subscribe to the YouTube channel. We we, we should make him dress like... I know we haven't watched, but we should make him dress like Jean Jacket from Nope. <laughs> yes. So, so, 100% so, in on that. So what what is... What 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 is the list of things we said Dylan would, would dress as at this point? Jean uh, jacket from jacket. Um, I think we said something from the Mandalorian. I forget what though. Let's add a uh, let uh, let's uh, let's uh, let's add Charlie from Poker Face to that list. Let's add Moon, uh, Moon Knight in the Mr. Knight outfit. Um, um, we could have him dressed as She-Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> we could also... I mean, he does have the muscles, so it does work. Yes. Uh, we could also have him dress as uh, Cassian Andor. We could have him... Uh, dressed as uh, Ryan Reynolds' character from Spirited. No, see, see. If we want to get real sicko mode. No, see here. Here is the thing. If we do, if, if if we do Spirited, you and Dylan have to do that one. <laughs> well, here's the thing. New York Comic Con. Now that we know that it's in October. It's going to be me. It's going to be Dylan. It's going to be you. And most likely, as long as my schedule's clear. We are bringing a fourth. Uh oh. Uh oh. We, we, we've got the yes. man on the street himself, Mr. Pitts on Parade, <laughs> no, 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 is going to no, come no. to Comic Con <laughs> no, 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 and go full on man on the street at Comic Con. Okay, hold on. So, no, we, we, we need Pat to be in a really dumb costume. Yes. Can we make him dress as a droid? <laughs> Just paint him as C-3PO. Mm, tempting. Are you Pat Pitts? Human. <laughs> Sideball <laughs> connections. We need to put Pat the most fuck. No, no. Okay. So right, here's here here is what we do. We start watching Trent. Uh, Trent, uh, we start watching Ted Lasso, and we have him dressed as Trent Crim, which, which are in in Ted Lasso, Trent uh, Trent Crim is uh, is uh, is the main journalist. Okay, <laughs> I could see that. We could also have Pitts dresses like Foggy Nelson from uh, <laughs> Daredevil. Just put long-haired wigs slicked all the way back. No, no, we 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 have Pat dress as Daredevil and and blindfold him. <laughs> it's like SpongeBob when he goes to rob the bank. Yeah, no, put it in the bag. Put it in. I'm Pat Pitts, man on the street. I 
I'm for Pat Pitts. Pitts. <laughs> for Pat Pitts, I'm underground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna be great. It's gonna Back be great. <laughs> Uh, go subscribe to the YouTube channel because that's where that content will be for sure in October. Uh, and of course, go get your merch. PHI Apparel Company, our exclusive merch partners. Christian, I ordered my streamer season hoodie. It's going to be here this weekend. I can't wait. Uh, you guys can go get your own as well because the exclusive streamer season merch is at phiapparel.co. Uh, as well as all the other podcasts on our network and some amazing Philly sports merch as well. Uh, and there's no doubt in our minds you're going to stand out when you go to the movie theater, when you're hanging out with your friends, when you're Netflix and chilling. Uh, sure. Go to phiapparel.co, use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all orders from our amazing merch partners at PHI Apparel Company. It's the most effective and direct way to support us and everything we're doing here. You want to see us at Comic-Con with the best content possible? Go get your merch, phiapparel.co, code underground for 10% off. Christian, The Last of Us, episode eight, the penultimate episode, uh, to to put it lightly, got real spicy. Yeah, no, hon. Well, hon, there, there, you, you, you and I are, you and I are the Last of Us, Dylan, giving Dylan's true sickness i see what you so, did there so the question is which one of us is troll Ooh. you because a beard boy probably <laughs> i'll t i mean any day i can be compared to big daddy pedro i'll take that um but yeah that is valid we are the last of us um spiciest episode lots of gore lots of uh butchering and uh we got we got a c word dropped um so that that was fun. Yeah, I'm. Um, honestly, Americans are so soft about it. Like, yeah. Li listen to British people talk to each other for a day. <laughs> I mean, I I among many of my friends, both male, female, and uh, non-binary, are of the ilk that we need to normalize using that word which we'll get into once we get into the breakdown uh but christian hit them with the alarm hmm? this is your spoiler oh. warning <laughs> ladies and gentlemen this is your spoiler warning and three two one uh Action. Overall thoughts, though, on this episode, I thought it was very dark, very deep. Um, lots of like pent up, built up emotion from last week's episode. Um, I, I, it was it was it was a lot to take in, but it was so once again so well done. So, the second half of this season has been filled with like kind of peaks and valleys in terms of what I like the most and what I don't like. Because we kind of had the straight up two part episode in Kansas City. To be honest, I liked last week's episode, but I still think, even though it was core to the core to the Ellie story, that I didn't do much for me. Whereas this week, I feel like 
I like this week a lot. Yeah. Because you you get into the darkness of the world much more. And you also get like a a a a true counter to Ellie. Which is something really cool to see. Be, be, because Pet Petra is more of a fun fatherly foil and we never really had someone that truly bounced off of Ellie the way what's his name again Bill? No uh, David David like the way David did because there's darkness inside both of them as they said, and those those scenes were really good, yeah. really good, because because he he's so he's so demonic, but he's so soft on the outside, and Ellie's the same way, and so seeing Ellie get basically baited or tricked into it to a certain degree is really cool to see yeah and i feel like this is the first time that this season we've gotten a true like human villain almost we're like yes we've had like the clickers we've had you know the infected and everything but like we haven't we really had a full-on like you hate how good they are portraying the villain role as a human um yeah, like Mel- Melanie Linsky's ca- character during during the whole Kansas City thing, she wasn't really a villain. Yeah, she she was she was someone who was out for revenge because they gave up her brother. Right. Which she's basically the government there, and while a lot of the show is a lot of the show is government bad if we're being honest uh she she was she was a quote-unquote villain that had like strong reason and cause behind her she wasn't truly corrupted whereas david's corrupt yes (laughs) david is like you you see that from one of those first dinner scenes when he goes up to the girl and it's like oh oh so so this this is the type of guy we're dealing with yeah i was uh that that took me back hardcore just like holy shit um but our last of us breakdown this week it's brought to you our by our amazing uh energy drink partners dubby energy i'm going to test something here on the screen to see if it works mm-hmm goes over there uh so dubby's going to war on big energy they've had things on pre-order for quite some time lots of stuff back in stock as of this recording i'm gonna break that down in just a minute but dubby uh was tired of big energy favoring profit over quality and making energy drinks loaded with jitters maltodextrin filler artificial colors and dyes sugars and other bs quite frankly take a peek at uh yourself at other energy drink nutrition labels. Uh, They grew upset with these types of energy drinks and decided to wage war on big energy, 
by releasing their own energy drinks, which are cleaner and jitter and crash free. Here's to paving the road for a better future for energy drinks where the status quo is no longer profits over quality, where quality matters, and where energy drinks don't get a bad rap for being unhealthy and harmful to consume. Are you going to stand with us? Are you going to go to war on big energy, everybody? Well, right now, back in stock, speaking of that, is the Big Energy Tears flavor, which is the blue raspberry flavor, the Push and Punch Fruit Punch flavor, back in stock, the Passion Joy Tea, which is Passion Fruit Iced Tea, back in stock, Beach and Peach, which is one of my personal favorites, the Mango White Peach Cooler, back in stock, and if you're looking to uh, wean off the caffeine but you need to stay hydrated, they've got the Monkey Madness Hydro Hydration Caffeine Free back in stock, which is strawberry banana flavor. So you guys can go to W.GG, go to War on Big Energy, come join our side of the Big Energy War, and clean up your energy drinks, and use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all orders. That's code UNDERGROUND at W.GG for 10% off any order. Christian, The Last of Us, here we go. This episode titled, When We Are in Need, and it goes a little something like Like this. this. After discovering Joel, Pedro Pascal's character, uh, his wound is infected. Ellie ventures out to find food, and while hunting a deer, she encounters David, played by Scott Shepard, and James, played by Troy Baker. Uh, that was a very cool cameo. I thought he Big did a Daddy fantastic Troy. job. Uh, I also loved in the after show where he said he thought he was going to be playing a clicker, and <laughs> my boy, my boy got clicked. All right, uh, not, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> she makes a deal to trade the deer for penicillin, which James returns to camp to obtain. And meanwhile, David, a preacher, shocker, uh, explains he was a teacher and found God after the outbreak and is now the leader of a group of survivors. He reveals the man who stabbed and was subsequently killed by Joel was a member of his group. Ellie runs away after James gives her the penicillin under David's orders. Now, I couldn't fully remember which guy this was that they, like, claim Joel killed. Was that from, like, episode four? No, no, no this was... I'm, I'm pretty sure... Uh... It was when they went. It was when. It was when they went to the college. Uh, oh. And what happened at the end of the episode that leads Joel to be stabbed? Okay. Okay. And, and Joel kills the one dude. Okay. Now I remember. Be, be, because if you think about it realistically, how far could Ellie have gone with Joel? Right. That makes way more sense now. Okay. <laughs> Because I, I truly, like, the entire time I was watching, I was like, who was this guy that he killed? I can't remember. Brain, Kyle, brain. My brain was on fire. Uh, Ellie returns to Joel and injects him with the penicillin, and the following day, she spots David and James with a group of men seeking vengeance against Joel. She flees on horseback to draw them away from Joel, but is captured after James shoots and kills her horse, which did you did you watch in the uh, the after show how they did that? No, how? Oh, it was so good. It was basically like a, uh, almost like a mechanical bull, but it was a mechanical horse, and it was just on a, like, rear, like a, uh, assembly line type thing, and it just shot forward, and then you just see Ellie, like, launch off of it. It was so funny. Um, so then... 
David places her in a cage at his camp, and after Ellie notices an ear on the floor, David reveals he has been feeding his group the flesh of their deceased. What a psychopath. What? Such a grim turn there. I was like, what the fuck? That, that, that is a... That, that is... That, that is one of those... Boy, that escalated quickly in moments. Boy, that really escalated quickly. Uh, he tells her he admires her strength and violence and they could begin a relationship, but she breaks his finger while failing to steal his keys. Meanwhile, Joel awakens and kills one of David's men, then tortures and kills two more to discover Ellie's whereabouts. Rewinding here a little bit. Uh, once Ellie breaks his finger and he's like leaving saying like, oh yeah, what'd you say about chopping you up into tiny bits? And then she's like, Ellie, you can tell them my the, the girl's name is Ellie who broke your fucking finger. <laughs> that was incredible. And then the whole scene with Joel absolutely mutilating and massacring these boys. Oh, Holy shit. shit. That 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 was that, that was Joel just like legitimately tor torturing dudes. You know it's bad when HBO's like, yeah, we're just gonna go to a blackout here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we 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 are gonna cut the blackout, and not show this shit. Because when when he goes over to Homeboy, it's like it's all right. I believe him, and he has that thing up above his head. I was like, they're gonna show this, and then it goes to black. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> And then yeah. when he said, uh, when he told the one guy, he's like, I can slice your fucking kneecap out. <laughs> I was like, get him, Joel, get him. Um, so then Ellie ends up biting David as he and James grab her. Before they can kill her, she tells them she is infected, as proven by her bite mark. And while they argue whether it is real, Ellie kills James with a meat cleaver and escapes. My boy got clicked. Uh, as David hunts her, she sets fire to the steakhouse and she stabs him with a kitchen knife, but he overpowers and attempts to sexually assault her. Uh, Ellie grabs David's fallen meat cleaver and kills him in a frenzied attack, uh, which was just full-blown violence in the heart and just goes absolutely Travis Scott sicko mode. Um, yeah, that, that was a... That, that, that was a lot. As, as, as I was having like, damn... Okay. Yeah, that kept going. I was like, "Oh my god!" Which I was uh, like, my this is probably my only pseudo complaint about the Last of Us graphics so far. But some of those fire shots, uh, when it was close ups, it 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 was a little noticeably fake. Yeah. Which which com compared to a bunch of the a bunch of the other fire shots and the uh, the other fire shots and the overall CGI work is like I get it but it just sticks sticks out more you know? yeah I don't know if that had to deal with like it being full blown CGI from when they filmed it because they said in the after show um, that it was I think like October or November that they were filming that and it was in Calgary and uh, Ellie was like it was absolutely freezing. <laughs> sure, but even then, it's kind of like, you know, I mean. Yeah, I just don't know if they used actual fire for that scene just because of 
when they and they were talking about how they had like giant fans on set and it was just yeah. blowing snow on people. Um, but yeah, full blown sicko mode frenzied attack with the meat cleaver. Uh, talk about a callback, teeny tiny bits. Um, and a traumatized Ellie wanders outside and panics when she runs into Joel and Joel embraces and comforts Ellie as they and they walk away. Joel hits her with the the baby girl, which he's never called anybody that other than his daughter. So uh, that's kind of showing Joel has some has some feelings, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but yeah, a a wild, violent, uh, gross episode of The Last of Us. We um, love Bruce here. I thought, um, where's his name? Uh, Scott Shepard, who played David, was a phenomenal yes. scumbag shithead villain um he was the type we've that we talk about a ton on this show where it's like you fucking hate them but you love the actor's portrayal of how much of a scumbag they are that's how he portrayed david a job well done um also really thought that um the way that they cast uh troy baker in this was great like nice little side lackey it makes you do the leo you know pointing meme when he comes on screen and then uh homeboy gets murked did did, uh, did you see the uh, did you see the troy baker tweet where where someone uh, someone responded to his uh responded to his uh image from uh from the show and uh, and and it said the feeling when the feeling when Troy uh, when Troy Baker went and it's a uh, and it's a picture of him being dapper and everything at at the at the premiere to which he responded hell of a before and after <laughs> yeah I that's yeah, amazing I I. I just sent. I just sent it in the chat. Take, take, just scroll I just through that. It. That's great. <laughs> it's it's great. <laughs> That's incredible. Which, which, if we're being honest, Troy is a very handsome man. Oh yeah, He's a that, that very boy handsome. Dapper. Uh, so so we'd it's, love to have Troy on the show. So it's so it's so weird to see him look like disheveled and beat down. <laughs> That, that was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, I thought this episode was, once again, you know, status quo for The Last of Us in terms of it being just super well done, super well put together. Uh, the episode aired on, on HBO on March 5th, and uh, the episode had 8.1 million viewers in the United States on its first night, including linear viewers and streams on HBO Max which was an increase of 74% from the premiere episode. And on linear television, it had 1.039 million viewers on its first night with a 0.3 rating share. Um, the show just continues to knock it out of the park every single week. Like, they simply don't miss. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has the overall approval rating at 96%. Uh, based on 23 reviews with an average rating of 8.6 out of 10. Uh, the critical consensus rating on Rotten Tomatoes noted Scott Shepard coolly underplays the personification of evil to chilling effect in 
a horrifying chapter that goes to prove that fungal zombies aren't necessarily for this series to instill terror and IndieWire Steve Green praised the episode's cinematography, particularly the added tension of the close-up shots and maintaining focus on Ellie's reaction while killing David, while IGN Simon Cardi compared the cinematography to picturesque westerns and modern horror films and lauded Gustavo Santo Santalala's score uh, during Ellie's horseback escape and the production design of David's camp. Yeah, I mean... That, I think for the most part, this episode was like very aesthetically pleasing to, to the eye to kind of just like follow along with everything made you kind of feel like you were in, uh, that cell when Ellie's in there. And it was, it was just super well done. Absolutely enjoyable episode. It gets dark, it gets gory. Um, but those are some things that HBO typically nails 10 times out of 10. So job well done. Once again, Christian, your score for The Last of Us Episode 8. I'm a basic guy who does, uh, who likes to do round numbers ish, so 9.5. Like, pretty, 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 pretty good episode. Pretty good episode, guys. Can you stick the landing? We shall see. Uh, I'm kind of right on par with the percentage number from Rotten Tomatoes. I'm giving this a 9.6. Um, the gore, the dialogue, the, the just like eeriness of uh, Scott Shepard's character was just such a. It's gross and it's demented and twisted, but like it was such it's a great. good injection to this this show and and at this point in the season too. Uh, he makes your skin crawl. He's a piece of shit, and I absolutely loved his his performance in this. Uh, so 19.1, divide that by 2, that's a 9.55, gives it a 9.6. And the crazy part is, Christian, next week is the finale of Season 1, and we will see what the overall show rating is for The Last of Us. What's it at right now for us? Uh, I don't think we've had a single episode duck under the 9s, and if we did, there was one that was like high 8s. Well, we'll we'll see if my prediction actually hits. Yeah, I'm excited. It's it's gonna be. I think the the internet is going to be a fun place to be on Sunday, between we'll Selection keep... Sunday, the Oscars, and the finale of The Last of Us. See, see, it it can either be fun or insanely toxic or both. both I'm leaning towards both. <laughs> yeah. I definitely think we're leaning towards both there, for sure. Uh, but there it is, 9.6 for the penultimate episode of The Last of Us Season 1 in the books. Uh, and before we kick it to our Mandalorian Episode 2 of Season 3, I uh, want to remind you guys, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're not watching on YouTube, you're doing yourself a disservice. We're doing amazing stuff on the YouTube channel. Uh, throughout this recording, we gained another subscriber. We're at 414 subscribers, and we have a big, big program planned on Sunday. As we have our Selection Sunday live stream going down on our YouTube channel. It's going to be tons of fun. Underground Madness is back. Join our bracket challenge. You'll be able to go head-to-head -head with your favorite Underground Sports Philadelphia content creators, listeners of the show, followers of all of our accounts on social media, 
personal friends. It's a whole giant cluster of fun in our Underground Madness Bracket Challenge. Lots of stuff on the table this year. We're doing it bigger and better than ever. Uh, so go join our Bracket Challenge and go follow our college basketball podcast as well at the Glue Guy CBB on social media. Go subscribe to their show. They're doing a great job uh, in the early stages of their college basketball coverage as a podcast. So go check that out and join our bracket challenge. Dylan, myself, and Christian in that bad boy. Speaking of Sunday, are we are we going to do any Oscars watch along thing? We could or... transition right into it from. Selection Sunday into uh, Hollywood Selection Sunday. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but let's get into the Mandalorian episode two, technically chapter eighteen uh, of the Mandalorian, the Minds of Mandalore, which is one of this is one of the episodes that uh, so many people have been waiting for because we've been like, where the fuck are the mines? Show us the mines. We've been waiting for the mines. We finally see the mines and unbelievable how the production quality of this show just continues to outdo itself season in and season out. John Favreau, Dave Filoni are saving Star Wars from itself in a lot of ways and, and doing it the right way. Um, so very excited to see what else happens in this season of The Mandalorian. But The Mandalorian Episode 2 uh, from Season 3. And it is brought to you by our amazing partners over at Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. Uh, you guys should be wearing your blue light plus glasses. With the amount of TV we're all watching, with the amount of TV and movies you're probably watching, uh, you should be protecting your eyeballs. And Tomahawk Shades has you covered with their blue light plus technology that is highest quality possible at a fraction of the big name prices. Uh, you can also get sunglasses, and they've got accessories, merch, everything in between. TomahawkShades.com. They've been rocking with us since about this time when the world shut down. So you know they're a great company when they're like, yeah, things are uncertain, but we're going to get on board with a podcast that we trust in. Tomahawk Shades has done that. Go to TomahawkShades.com. Use promo code USP for 25% off at checkout. That's TomahawkShades.com. Code USP for 25% off your order. It's already an affordable product, amazing, high-quality stuff, and we're giving it to you for 25% off. Go get that. TomahawkShades.com. Code USP. So the Mandalorian starts off uh, on the planet, Dylan's favorite planet, of Tatooine, and it is Boonta Eve, which essentially everyone in the Star Wars social media communities uh, has kind of divulged that this is just an excuse for everybody to drink um, because residents are celebrating with fireworks, there's pod racing going on, uh, and in Hangar 3-5, a Rodian argues with the, our good mechanic friend Peli Moto uh, about Moto fixing their speeder, and Moto points out that there are many parts missing and she would have to order them from the mid-rim and estimates the time to repair it at two months when the Rodian complains, she says she will put a rush on it uh, on the condition that the Rodian pay half up front. After the Rodian reluctantly hands her some money, she complains to their retreating back that this will mean uh, she has to work on Boon to Eve 
and should have charged him more for making her work on the holiday. This was a total nod to George Lucas because he was a big-time muscle car fan. Um, and the way that this whole scene breaks down, it's just a nice little tip of the cap to George himself. Uh, because Pelimoto gets her DUM series pit droids, they're dumb, uh, to check that the Rodian is gone before she calls out to some Jawas, revealing that she has been running a scam with them where they strip speeders of parts. Then when the owner comes to her for repairs, she charges them but uses their own parts she had stolen to do the repairs. Insider trading uh, with the parts mm -hmm. painted so they look different. The Jawas demand credit uh, for the work painting uh, painting the parts and putting it back together, which Pelimoto uh, acquiesces to after a token protest. And we get Mando arriving on that N1 Starfighter, and Pelimoto tells the Jawas to leave with instructions to strip another speeder. She crows about how good the Starfighter's engine sounds, and despite Mando saying he has no complaints about its performance, she promises to tune it up anyway. She asks where Grogu is, and when he pops out above the rim of the cockpit and uses the force to leap into her arms, she is delighted. She suggests that Mando and Grogu, uh, uh, suggests to Mando that Grogu's saying his first word. She, he said Pelly. She said my name. Uh, Mando, ignoring her claim, declares he's there for business, and Pelly asks what the business is, suggesting that he's going to take down Boba Fett or that the Huts have returned and have to be dealt with. Nice little callback for the people who have not watched the Book of Boba Fett. That's one thing that Mando so far has done with the first two episodes. There's a couple of like hints where it's like, hey, idiot, you should be watching the Book of Boba Fett because it was important to get you ready for this. Um, so when Mando responds that he's only looking for a droid part, she declares it boring, but calls to the pit droids to summon the Jawas back so they can deal with Mando's request. At a uh, Mando specification that it is an IG series memory circuit, she jokingly calls him a grandpa, saying that IG memory circuits have been out of production for some time. And when the Jawas return, she asks them, and this was very funny because I, I typically have started watching things with subtitles on just to see if there's anything specific that they show well, them. Welcome to the party, pal. Uh, I don't like it, but I do it for the show. I'm a man of the people. Uh, the way, the, the language that they say the Jawa speak is Jawaese. <laughs> uh, so, Pelly asked them in Jawaese if they have the memory circuit Mando is looking for, but they inform her that they do not have the part. At Mando's complaint that he needs his droid fixed immediately, Pelly suggests he buy the dilapidated R5 series astromech droid she has in the hangar bay. And Mando uh, says that he needs a droid able to spelunk, so he has no use for an astromech droid. And when Pelly asks for further details on what is he spelunking, uh, Mando explains that he's going to Mandalore and requires an astromech that, go, uh, that can go ahead of him and test the atmosphere to make sure it's safe for him to breathe. The astromech R5-D4 begins to shake and back away, but Pelimoto tells uh, it to go, tells it to go get back, and claims it is just as good when it was fighting for the rebellion. She then offers to reinstall the N1's astromech port so that the astromech can co-pilot and to sell him the droid at half price with a free oil bath. Mando accepts, and as night falls, Mando, Grogu, R5-D4 are in the N1 almost ready to take off. 
Peli admonishes the droid, telling it to be braver, and then tells uh, Mando that R5-D4 circuitry is fragile and that he should not rely on it. When Mando protests, pointing out that she had claimed it was built for the adventure, she shuts the cockpit and says she cannot hear him over the sound of the engines, and the starfighter rises into the sky. Um, so then we get Mando and Grogu arriving in the vicinity of Mandalore, and Mando assures Grogu that while it may look scary with its turbulent storm clouds, it was once beautiful and verdant back in the days when the songs Mando knows about Mandalore were written. He tells Grogu that this is uh, the homeworld of their people and that every Mandalorian can trace their roots back to this planet and its Beskar mines. He confesses that he has never been to Mandalore either and that instead he grew up on Mandalore's moon, Concordia. Uh, he points to Concordia, which they can see from the cockpit, and then to Cal uh, Kelvala, reminding Grogu that is where Bo-Katan lives. Uh, he then points to the scope, which shows uh, the three astro uh, astronomical bodies he has mentioned, explaining to Grogu that Mandalorians must be skilled at reading maps so they don't get lost. And as the ship descends through the atmosphere to Mandalore, the clouds buffet, um, the clouds buffet R5-D4 and cause the ship's systems to flicker. And when they have broken through the clouds, Mando suggests that the fusion bombs from the Great Purge of Mandalore disrupted the magnetic fields uh, around the planet, preventing any communication out of the atmosphere. The ship lands in a clearing surrounding by jagged pieces of green uh, trinitite, and Mando orders R5 to scout ahead to test the atmosphere in the mines. R5 reluctantly trundles off in the direction Mando indicates, and when Grogu shows concern uh, about R5, Mando says that they can watch it on the scope, which, when you're watching this, it's like, uh, Buddy's going to disappear. He's going he's gonna to disappear, and don't you know it, he disappears. Um, and Mando unsuccessfully tries to raise R5 on comms, and the ship's systems flicker again, and then Mando says it's probably just atmospheric interference. Uh, and words. <laughs> Grogu's like, no, no, Buddy, you got to go find him. Uh, and then he leaves the ship to go find R5 after pressurizing his helmet, and then Mando enters a gloomy green cave, walking slowly to a precipice from which he can see the ruins of an underground city. He is suddenly attacked by three Alamites with clubs who look like the uh, the abominable snowman from the roller coaster in Disney World, um, <clears throat> who successfully make him drop his blaster, and unable to reach his blaster, Mando pulls out the Darksaber, and you already know how that goes, because he can't control that dang, so it's still heavy as hell, and he's swinging it uh, very recklessly, but he eventually defeats the Alamites, at which point R5-D4 bleeps, and Mando turns to find it overturned in a pile of rock, and riding it, Mando and the droid return to the Starfighter. And when Mando receives the atmospheric reading from R5, he discovers that the air is breathable, and declares that Bo-Katan was right, and that Mandalore is not cursed. Who would have thought? Bo-Katan kind of knows things. Um, he takes Grogu into the cave, pausing at the precipice from before and telling Grogu that this was once the Civic Center where Bo-Katan told them to go. He uses his jetpack and Grogu uses his hovering pram to descend past the mangled metal skeletons of buildings, pausing on a girder to tell Grogu that the mines are further down and that they were on their own from here. They continue descending down a well past ancient water pipes before landing at the bottom and they proceed through a large tunnel with more water pipes branching off of it and several reptavian creatures 
observed them unnoticed by Mando, and turning off the smaller, turning off into a smaller tunnel, Mando discovers that uh, the detrius beneath their feet includes an old Mandalorian helmet stuck in in the muck. Uh, and while he is distracted looking at the helmet, a trap springs shut, and Mando is captured by a mechanical arachnid with an organic eye. This thing was creepy as fuck. It looked like straight out of like Bioshock. I was like, what is going on here? Where did this thing come from? Whose robots are these? Um, it takes Mando, now tightly encased in a metal cage, and puts the cage on a rack uh, akin to a rotisserie spit. Uh, and the mechanical arachnid then lowers itself to the ground, and a smaller mechanical creature with six limbs and quills on its back comes out. Grogu watches all of this from the shadows, having left his pram to get a better view. And when the creature has disarmed Mando and wandered off to get some cables, Grogu approaches uh, Mando and attempts to free him with the Force. But when a piece of the machinery holding the cage snaps off, the clang alerts the creature. And then Mando tells Grogu to go to Bo-Katan. His voice is weak. Arms are heavy. Palms sweaty. Vomit on his Beskar already. Mom's spaghetti. Uh, and as the creature attempts to electrocute Grogu with a staff, it misses and Grogu makes it to the pram and speeds off towards the surface where he manages to dodge one of the reptavian creatures that lunges at him but is met at the mouth of the cave by an alamite and he force pushes the alamite away from the cave mouth and races to the ship, closing the canopy behind him just in time before a reptavian creature that looked like an alligator with wings uh, smashes into it in an attempt to get Grogu and then Grogu points at the view screen as the ship lifts off. And then we get Bo-Katan's uh, footman droid presenting itself uh, in the throne room, saying there's an unexpected visitor. The N1 starfighter pulls up through, and Bo-Katan's like, let's get rid of him once and for all. Instead of Mando, however, it's only Grogu in the cockpit. Uh, and upon seeing this, Bo-Katan asks what happened to Din. When Grogu only babbles in reply, she orders her droid to download the data from the astromech to find out where they were. Her ship flies uh, from the castle that she was in at the end of Episode 1 towards Mandalore, carrying R5-D4, Grogu, and herself. They show up. They pick their way through the cavern. Bo-Katan tells Grogu that she knew some Jedi and that Jedi and Mandalorians once got along well. Go watch the Clone Wars. You'll understand that better. Uh, she asks Grogu how skilled he is with the Force, reasoning that he must be good if he found his way to her by himself. And when they hear a noise, she gestures for Grogu to get back and slowly moves forward, watching a crystalline patch of ceiling. She fires it. Uh, she fires at it with her blasters. Three Alamites fall to the floor. They rush at her, and there's a brief fight before Bo-Katan emerges victorious. And she asks uh, the watching Grogu, "Did you think your dad was the only Mandalorian?" Uh, and then the old western said, wah, wah, wah. That was both yeah, in that moment. It was fantastic. Uh, she then identifies that beings she fought uh, were Alamites, saying they once lived on the surface in the wastelands between their dome cities. And she wonders what else survived, given the Alamites were able to endure the purge. And then meanwhile, the creature that has captured Mando hooks him up to a small droid with clear tubing through which Mando's blood begins flowing. He makes pained groans, but before too much blood can be uh, siphoned out of him, 
Uh, Bo-Katan shoots the pump droid, and the creature stuns her multiple times with its staff, but Bo-Katan manages to grab the fallen Darksaber from where the creature threw it on the ground when disarming Mando, and she uses it to absorb the next bolt of electricity before readying herself to fight the creature with the saber and her personal combat shield. She wields the saber far more easily than Mando had in his fight with the Alamites and skewers the creature through the chest. As the creature falls, she turns uh, focus to Mando in his rotisserie cage and attempts to rouse him uh, while she says she's going to free him. He manages to croak out a warning to the creature uh, that was behind her. It had managed to crawl away from the metal body to return to the mech suit. The Bo-Katan has to fight it with the Darksaber and her shield. She chops off several of its limbs, destroys it, hacking it to pieces, and then Bo-Katan sets up a fire heating up a powdered soup, and eventually stirs, groaning and sits up uh, from where she had propped Mando up against a rock, and Bo-Katan points out that she saved his life. He responds by asking how she found him, to which she tells him that Grogu found her, and praises his navigational skills. Bo-Katan was right. Mando points out Mandalore is not cursed, and then Bo-Katan questions that, saying that, there's nothing left of the great society that Mandalore once was. She ruled here once, she says, but there's nothing still here for her to cling to. Uh, they continue, uh, you know, walking through, and he ignores Bo-Katan's protests that he should rest, and when she says she will get him back to her ship, he refuses. He continues, uh, he must continue on his quest to the mines of Mandalore, where he can immerse in the living waters to redeem himself, and when Bo-Katan points out that there's nothing magical about the waters themselves. He responds by asking what they are without the creed. What do they stand for? He credits the creed with ensuring the survival of the Mandalorian people in the diaspora. Uh, and he acknowledges that he will always be in her debt because she saved his life, but he cannot go on with her until he has immersed himself. And bo like, you know what, buddy? I'll take you to the waters. There's no way you're going to get there without me. This place is too difficult to navigate, uh, so I'll take you there. So then Mando tells bo uh, it must be painful to see the city in ruins like this when she had once witnessed it in all its beauty. And she says that the thing that truly pains her is that uh, the Mandalorian infighting before the purge, that Mandalorians were killing each other for reasons too complicated to articulate, and so they could not resist the Empire's wrath when it came. Uh, and then before Mando responds, they reach a gate and enter a much older part of the city, the mines proper, uh, and Bo-Katan reveals that she has been to the Living Waters before as a child, and she spoke of how as a member of the royal family she had taken the Mandalorian tenants publicly, but that it was merely theater for their subjects, a spectacle of a princess reciting the tenants while her father looked on with pride, and Mando suggests that her father was proud and that he would have uh, like that he would have liked to have known him. And Bo-Katan responds that uh, he was proud of her and that he was a great man who died defending Mandalore. In response, Mando stops, and when she turns to face him, he solemnly proclaims, this is the way. Uh, they wind up finding, uh, you know, the, the vast pool of water here at the mines of Mandalore. The living waters are there, and before he enters the water... Bo-Katan insists on reading him the commemorative plaque near the steps, and it re uh, it records that the mines date back to the Mandal to Mandalore the Great, and there is a folklore tradition that they were once uh, the lair of Mythosars. The Mythosar skull was adopted as the symbol of their planet because it 
said that Mandalore the Great tamed the Mythosaur. In, it notes when she sees that Mando has not reacted to any of her words, she asks if he's alright, but he doesn't respond and instead he removes his jetpack and weapons and then proceeds to walk into the living waters, reciting the ritual words, I swear on my name and the name of the ancestors that I shall walk the way of the Mandalore and the words of the Creed shall forever be forged in my heart. As he finishes, he abruptly disappears underwater, having walked off the shallow shelf and fallen into the deep trench beyond. Bo-Katan dives in after him, using her jetpack to propel to the bottom. She finds Mando's unmoving body, carries him towards the surface, once again assisted by her jetpack. But on the way up, they pass a giant reptilian creature with white horns, whose eye opens as Kreese's helmet uh, light illuminates it. And don't you know it, we get our very first look at a live mythosaur in the Mandalorian universe. Uh, this thing was gigantic. We didn't even see, like even close to half of it but it looks super cool and it's one of those moments where it's like i know that ain't what i think it is uh but it truly was it was a mythosaur uh they speed away making it to the surface where they lie on the steps mando wheezing and coughing as he revives bo katan uh takes great heaving breaths as she stares out into the waters and then we cut to the credits we see our first mythosaur great banter and great dialogue between bo katan and mando in this episode Fun stuff with Grogu, as always. Uh, great action scenes. And we finally see, you know, the minds of Mandalore. We see the living waters. They're real. Um, and I think the cool part so far, at least, with this season and where Season 2 left off and where we thought the dynamic of Mando and Bo-Katan were going to be, it's that it's completely opposite of what we thought it was going to be. We thought this entire time these two were going to be fighting. They were going to be, you know, going head to head with each other. It's kind of like Bo-Katan's kind of thrown in the towel, but now she's picked up the dark saber again for the first time since Star Wars Rebels. We'll see what happens with that. We see a mythosaur, which is insane um, because we've never seen that in the Mandalorian outside of, you know, the skulls and, and the crests on their, their outfitting and everything. But, a phenomenal episode, a great follow-up to episode one, and I had seen a lot of people who got to see both of these episodes together at the premiere saying that these two episodes really merge well together and they're kind of, like, meant to go with one another. Can totally, like, co-sign on that. They do go really well together. I'm excited to see where we move forward from this because I know it's only going to continue to get better because that's what The Mandalorian is. Uh, I'm going to give this episode a solid 8.8 out of 10. It was really well done. Loved every single bit of it. Kind of had you on the edge of your seat every single moment. Uh, let us know in the YouTube comment section your thoughts. Christian, your... Let me just here. say, well, I, I just have a question. How long was the episode? Because that... Because you're... Because you're show or down one forever it was i want to say the runtime for this episode was because i feel like you were reading off a movie i'm like uh-huh uh-huh oh wait it's still going okay it's still going it's still going uh let me see here this episode run it was not like crazy long sure Chapter 18, runtime. Six minutes. <laughs> Could you imagine? Um, 
42 minutes and 24 seconds. And they've, they've packed and, a shit ton into these episodes so far. You don't fucking say, mate. You don't say. Just a wee bit. Just a wee bit, you know? Uh, but yeah, love it. If you guys are watching The Mandalorian, make sure you uh, you tap in on the YouTube comment section and let us know uh, your thoughts so far. We'll have another Mando Minute on the socials as well, breaking down everything I just did right there in one minute. I'm going to do my best. Um, but with that, that brings us to Poker Face, Episode 5. It is brought to you by our amazing amazing partners over at Bino board guys Bino is the next big tabletop game for your man cave your she shed or anything else in between think paper football meets foosball and you've got Bino uh they're incredible the quality of the boards second to none we have a few of them here at the studio working on getting another one um they're going to be part of our live tailgate podcast series all baseball season long. And uh, I'm telling you guys, if you get a Bino board, you break it out at a party, you break it out at, you know, a holiday, something like that. You're you're going to have that conversation starter and people are going to be on that Bino pitch for hours. You guys can go to BinoBoard.com. And as of this recording right now, the code is not working. We're working on getting it fixed. I talked to Nick from Bino this morning. Uh, it's just a thing on the back end of stuff with Shopify that uh, sometimes the code expires, so he just has to renew it for us. But the code is USP. Make sure you use that as long as it's working. Uh, when you go to BinoBoard.com, that's B-I-N-H-O-B-O-A-R-D.com, and you get 10% off your order. Uh, that's boards, board accessories, apparel, anything in between. Binoboard.com, code BinoUSP for 10% off your order. Christian Pokerface, episode five. Quite the episode. The old lady killers. Ah, uh, yes, this one. <clears throat> uh, the time of the monkey is the episode name. Um, quite a... 180 of what we had last week with the, with the rock and roll to now just a bunch of senior citizen home ladies uh, out on the kill. Yeah, so one thing I will say is this episode is the is the last kind of strong one before it takes kind of like a two-episode dip. And, and, and I say a two-episode dip because... The, the, the endings don't feel as satisfactory, I would say, in the next two compared to this one. Yeah, this episode was, it was fun. It was fun to kind of see a different age demographic of killer uh, and <laughs> a duo nonetheless. Mm. Um, also did a full-blown uh, pointing at the TV when, Harold Wallowitz working for the FBI. <laughs> Howard! Howard! <laughs> that was great. Um, so Christian hit the spoiler warning. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a spoiler warning. And in Beware. three, <laughs> three yes, two, it's coming. You need to watch the episode. 
All right, Kyle. And in three, two, one. Uh, at the Mossy Oaks Retirement Home, friends Irene, Judith Light, uh, and Joyce S. Epatha Merkerson uh, live together in the same apartment. Irene uses a wheelchair. One day, they notice a man, Ben, Reed Bernie, uh, checking into the retirement home. And having known him, they conclude they must kill him. Uh, Irene... <laughs> <laughs> Irene locks herself in the restroom and climbs into Ben's room using the rose trellis where she kills him with an injection of sodium nitrate and switches his medical wearable uh, with hers before leaving the room. They then leave the local zoo where Joyce tasers Irene, causing the heart monitor on the wearable to flatline and alerting the staff who pronounce Ben dead. When Irene and Joyce... <laughs> yes, very. Uh... When Irene and Joyce return to the retirement home, they switch the wearables again, providing them with an alibi. A few days prior, Charlie, obviously Natasha Leone's character, uh, is revealed to be working at Mossy Oaks. She is like uh, the new Dirty Jobs. <laughs> I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing this. Thing, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna test thing. out being a, a roadie merch seller. I'm gonna work at uh, Mossy Oaks. I'm gonna do this and that. She's the new. Uh, Dirty Jobs host. Uh, despite being warned to stay away from Irene and Joyce, uh, Charlie hangs out with them and the three bonding over the ideology to stand up for one's beliefs. Irene and Joyce reveal that in their youth, they were hippies and part of a cult. Uh, they were both in a relationship with the cult leader, Gabriel. However, Gabriel abandoned them when the police raided the cult with a gunshot costing Irene her legs. Later, Charlie unknowingly meets Ben, who was brought by his nephew, Luca, Simon Helberg. His, his nephew. Nephew. Uh, and at night, Ben meets with Irene and Joyce, who are aware that he is Gabriel. He seeks forgiveness, revealing that uh, he helped the police in the raid in exchange for protection. And after he leaves, they conclude that they must kill him for his betrayal. You uh, must die. <laughs> Gabriel must die. Uh, the next day, Ben dies while Charlie accompanies Joyce and Irene to the local zoo. At his funeral, Charlie meets with Luca, who reveals that uh, who reveals that is actually an FBI agent that was guarding Ben in the Witsec program, the old witness protection. Uh, and when Charlie reveals that Irene and Joyce were also at Mossy Oak, uh, Luca has an FBI team question them. Luca informs Charlie uh, that the cult was not pacifist and planned to bomb a high school uh, model UN competition. And Irene and Joyce are released due to lack of evidence, but they grow suspicious of Charlie revealing their identities. With the help of the mystery-loving trio of Fletchers, Charlie learns that sodium nitrate could kill a person without leaving any trace in the autopsy, with Joyce having access to it. Charlie also discovers that Ben's wearable revealed that his heartbeat suddenly increased for his last hours. With the help of pervy Pete and resident Betty, mm. Kay Callen, uh, she learns about erotic tasing. I've been really buzzing, baby. <laughs> and okay, finds, that, <laughs> finds that Joyce tasered Irene, which could simulate a heart attack. However, Betty also informed Irene that she saw them and she is killed in a bomb hidden in her instant pot. Uh, Charlie shows up D in Irene. Delicious. 
part of a balanced breakfast. Instant pot bomb. Um, Charlie shows up in Irene and Joyce's apartment. She states that nurses tried to revive Ben with a defibrillator, yet uh, the shocks were not registered in his wearable. Before Charlie can inform the FBI, they attack her, escalating into a brutal fight, which was just so epic. The fight between the two old lady killers and Charlie was just absolutely hilarious. Was truly supreme. And when Joyce prepares to inject her with sodium nitrate, Charlie takes the taser and shocks herself. She is revealed to be wearing a wearable, which causes the FBI to storm the room and arrest Irene and Joyce. Luca offers Charlie a job at the FBI, but she declines it, also realizing that her evidence against Kane has not arrived at the FBI because FBI at FBI.com is not even a thing. Uh, and as she turns on her golf cart, she discovers it is rigged and jumps out before it explodes as Irene and Joyce look on from the back of a squad car. Very epic ending there. Uh, and just another fun, miraculous episode of Poker Face. Yep. Um, overall, with with the first five, how do you think this one stacks up compared to the others? Um, I I I liked it better than the than the last one. I I feel like it kind of exists in a zone similar to the first episode, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I felt like the there was fun action in this episode, and just the fact that we just had old lady killers was a fun twist. Um, the critical reception for Time of the Monkey received positive reviews from critics. Solani Gajar of the AV Club gave the episode a B-minus grade and wrote a big gripe with the episode five's uh, central case is that it aims to get away with some incredulous logic, which takes me out of PF's wisely curated uh, pastiche and feels surpassing uh, feels surprising considering. Ryan Johnson's knack for the genre, all the previous cases from Natalie's murder in the pilot to Taffy plotting his brother's death in episode three are all well executed. It's what the whole show hinges on, but not in the time of the monkey. I don't know. I felt like it was kind of that fun, just like spin zone type of killing though. Like like every episode doesn't need to be streamlined in that same way that episode one and three are. Don't disagree at all. Um, so overall, Christian, Poker Face Episode 5 gets what on your ranking scale? Eight. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it an 8.4. Uh, so quick math for the people at home. That's an 8.2, and Poker Face continues to just be a banger of a show. It's, it's one of those hidden gems, and Peacock continues to uh, kind of slowly put together a nice little catalog of programming, um, which is very, very exciting for just the overall nature of streaming platforms. But without any further ado, let's get into everybody's favorite segment. Streaming platform multiverse news and notes brought to you by our amazing partners over at Kenwood Beer, the official beer of Underground Sports Philadelphia, and Dylan's beverage of choice when he's breaking down all the news and notes in the multiverse. So, shout out to Dylan. Uh, you guys can go to kenwoodbeer.com, use the all new and improved Kenny tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. 
You can also get it at your local liquor store. And if you're in the eastern Pennsylvania area, you can get it at your local home goods. Mm. Stock up, you say. Stock up on your Kennys for the for the big NCAA tournament. They've got incredible merch as well. Uh, so grab a Kenny, the beer that loves you back. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. Christian, it's a big Oscars preview edition as we get the Oscars on Sunday night. Yes, uh, we do. Talk to the people. What should everybody know going into the 2023 Oscars? So, first of all, it's being hosted by everyone's third favorite late night host. I don't know where people rank these things anymore. Jimmy Kimmel. So, A, there's that. B, um, the acting races, except for supporting actor, are very much up, up in the air at this time. So... Lots of things could go lots of different ways. So if you want to bet on something, uh, there is edges to be made when it comes to the acting, which we can get into that more in a second. Um, and then in relation to Best Picture, I mean, it's pretty set at this point where the expectation is that, to pull up, the, pull up all the specific stuff, um, where... Where, where, there were spe- special bets. So, as of now, everything ever all at once is the supreme favorite, which hopefully I can show with Kyle on Tuesday, fingers crossed. Um, with the main three behind it being Banshees, All Quiet on the Western Front, and Top Gun Maverick. If you wanted to throw a long shot bet out there, I would say. All Quiet on the Western Front or Top Gun Maverick are probably the best of the two that could sneak that that could sneak into a win there. But that uh, best actor is very much up in the air. It could go to Brandon Fraser or Austin Butler. Uh, Austin Butler is actually plus one of five right now, which that's a pretty nice line, I think, given that. It's still kind of up in there who's going to win that. So I would say that's something you could go to, go for. And I'm doing all of these lines based on FanDuel. By, uh, by, uh, by the way, uh, Michelle Yeoh is now the favorite for to win Best Actress for everything ever all at once. And Kate Blanchett's now plus money, which feels ri- risky because even though Michelle Yeoh has the momentum. Kate's, Kate's won everything this year for the most part, except for the SAG Award. So that's a nice line to try and make some money there. Uh, supporting actor, don't touch it. Sub- supporting actress is a three-way clusterfuck of... It could be Angela Bassett for Black Panther. It could be Jamie Lee Curtis for everything ever all at once or it could be Carrie Condon for uh, the Banshees of in Sharon but it's more likely a race between the first two though a win by the latter would not be surprising at all um, if we go to best director Daniels are the prohibitive favorite though don't rule out Steven Spielberg potentially sneak sneaking in there because people are very sen- sen- sentimental about him. 
women, women talking will most likely win screenplay. Uh, though, if All Quiet on the Western Front does make a run at Best Picture, it uh, it winning that that screenplay would be a strong start. It's currently sitting at plus. It's currently sitting at plus one plus one eighty odds. And in a year where Best Adapted Screenplay is weak, that may be a it, that may be an interesting bet to place. Best animated features over. It's going to Guillermo del, del Toro's Pinocchio on Netflix. You can lock that in. Best documentary feature. It's very much unclear, but current momentum is swinging towards Navalny, which is on HBO Max. Uh, best cinematography is in a weird spot right now because um, all Fire on the Western Front has been winning a bunch of awards, but, Re- but Elvis has recently been claiming a bunch of uh, regionally recently been the cinematographer society's award so it's now writing a bunch of momentum there and it, it could lead to that winning which would be a surprise and an upset and given it how it's currently uh, plus 340 that's another in interesting edge bet people could make um ed- editing it's between everything everywhere all at some top gun current favorite is current favorite is everything everywhere but do not rule out top gun it's a strong contender score um bab babylon should win but all quiet on the western front has gotten some late momentum there so and given how that's also plus money there's a potentially strong bet to be made there playing the edges there uh Original screenplay is another interesting spot where it could go to everything everywhere, or it could go to Ban- could go to Banshees of Inisherin, and Ban- and Banshees is currently sitting at an even plus one hundred. That's another spot people can gain a edge. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much all there is to talk about on the betting front. Nice little. Nice little homage to our friends at the Get in the Hole podcast. A little beer money on streamer season. Um, yeah, I mean, the Oscars, I feel like even when people say, oh, I don't watch award shows anymore. Uh, you watch the Oscars. Stop you watch yourself. the Oscars or you just follow along on Twitter. Yeah. So you pay Hope- attention. Hopefully there's no slap this year. But I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. Or... <laughs> so you see, imagine, if, imagine if that was a bet. See, I'll 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 never forget how I I was watching with one of my friends last year at uh, at college. The slap happens. We're like, um, what? <laughs> and then and then Af- and then Africa goes to commercial. Our other two roommates come into the come into the common room and and are like, uh, what? Uh, did was. Was that a bit? And we're like, I don't think so. <laughs> we don't know. No, Jose. Jo Jo Yeah, that was that was a wild time. The fact that that was a year ago only is also. It feels like a fucking stone Um, but yeah, the Oscars are a going down, and some other news and notes to cover. Uh, we finally have information, Chris, when we were talking about this pre-show, 
uh, Seth Rogen's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, Mutant Mayhem, August 4th, 2023, with a ridiculously loaded cast. Uh-huh. Yeah. C- color me intrigued. Uh-huh. Um, wild, wild cast in theaters August 4th, like we said. Um, we also got our first look at uh, Silo. It's a series coming to Apple TV Plus on May 5th, starring Rebecca Ferguson, Tim My Robbins, queen. Common, uh, David Oyelowo, and Rashida Jones. Apple TV continuing to push out content, which is, again, exciting. Uh, Kyle, some... Uh... Some sad news. Some sad news for you on the musical front. Oh no! Did it death? Did it death? Topol has died. Wait, what? The dad from Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, that's terrible. Has has passed away at age eighty-seven. Tease and peace. Pour one out for him. Rest in peace, Topple. I I'm I may be butchering the pronunciation, but um, that sucks. Eighty-seven though, that seems Good tougher life. and tougher to hit that hit that numby. Um, I can't wait to get your reaction to this. Mm. Uh, in the works at Sony is an animated series about Lionel Messi. Series I'm different. Will, I'm, series I'm, will I'm depict different. Messi as a child as he confronts obstacles while traveling throughout a video game. Uh huh. Sure. I'll I'll, I'll I'll do you one better. Um, where's the trailer that got posted? Um, where is it? Where is it? Oh, well. Uh, first, Batman Cape, Batman Cape Crusader got bought by amazon so we will be getting the matt reeves and animated show just on amazon yes i'm so So, very excited um, about that there's there's a movie trailer that just dropped today which uh, is uh interesting uh speaking of interesting brian michael bendis is writing a new graphic novel memoir about his time on the Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark Broadway musical. I am very interested. Very. Releasing in weekly installments in his uh, Substack newsletter. Once it's done, it will be collected in print from Dark Horse. Sign me up. This is the type of shit that, like, this is coming out. I will read the ever-living fuck out of this. Kyle, I here's... Explain to everyone what's so significant about Spider-Man Turn Out the Dark. It was still to date, I think, the most expensive like production of a Broadway musical, and it was absolute dog shit. Like, terrible. Actors got injured. Uh, it is quite like critically and fanly known as the worst Broadway musical. Ever. It, it 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 lost sixty million dollars. It was one of the most dangerous ones ever because of all of the wire work involved. So yeah, it, it's it, 
it is widely considered just one of the biggest straight up disasters in Broadway history. So, so I, I found the thing I was looking for. There's a movie called No Hard Feelings. All right. Okay. It is set in Montauk, New York. A woman answers a Craigslist ad that was placed by a mother for someone to date her son, Percy, before he enters college. Uh, okay. This the 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 person who answers the Craigslist ad is played by Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. <laughs> so we're talking a coming of age sex comedy where it's her and like a eighteen year old. And because of a Craigslist ad. <laughs> Alrighty uh-huh. then. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's happening. Uh, oh. You'll love this. Uh, Nicholas Cage on if he wants to join the MCU. Quote, I don't need to be in the MCU. I'm Nick Cage. Yep. Ooh. So uh, Bob, <laughs> Bob Odenkirk confirms he is starring in a remake of The Room. Will it be better than? Uh, will it be better than the disaster artist? Who knows? Sure. Um. Uh, also, uh, we got a second trailer for season two of Yellow Jackets, the highly acclaimed Showtime show, which premieres at the end of the at the end of the month on the twenty fourth. And Florence and the Machine is doing a cover of uh, No Doubt's Just a Girl for season two. Which which I'm like, yes. Yep. Yes. That 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 is that that is going to end up on my phone. Oh yeah. Uh this will get you excited. Avatar the Way of Water will release on digital on March twenty eighth, and the home release will include three hours of bonus material. Uh-huh. Okay. Um uh, in in some news that I don't enjoy, um, there was a show that's coming out at some point this year called The Idol. Do you know about this show, Kyle? I don't know if I do. Um, it's the one that sh- that stars Lily Rose Depp and The Weeknd. Oh yeah 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 okay. Um, so. There was news that came out in the past two-ish weeks, where uh, be- because the man behind the show is the man who uh, is behind Euphoria, he decided to rewrite the entire show and remove the overarching theme, and of course, added just disturbing sexual content and nudity. And instead of making it a show about Hollywood and the system, he decided to make it more fucked up euphoria. And to which I answer, can we can we make him no longer have the Levinson name? Because at this point, he's just living off of his father's name. All right, Kyle did did you see some of did you see some of the things? That did you hear about some of the things that Sam Levinson wrote that got cut? No. Uh, 
here here are just two of them that got uh, that got mentioned. This this included one draft. This included one draft. Uh, this included one draft where the weekend's character bashes in the face of Depp's character, who then asks to be beaten more, giving him an erection. That just sounds and, like an episode of The Boys. And wait, wait, and and then another drafted C sequence reportedly had Lily Rose Depp's ca- character carry an egg in her uh, carry an egg carry an egg carry an egg in her vagina and 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 if the and if the egg dropped the weekend would refuse to rape her how fucked up are you in the head to write this shit explain that to me send this man to an institution good grief this 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 is the man writing and directing euphoria I I don't get it. I don't get it. Do you get it, Kyle? I don't, but I do get this, Christian. Jonathan Majors will star in The Understudy with Spike Lee and talks to direct. The film follows the story of life imitating art when the understudy of a Broadway production finds a role he's willing to kill for. Even better, though. John, Jonathan Majors is reportedly going to play De- De- Dennis Rodman in the 48 Hours in Vegas movie, which is even better. <laughs> yep. For, 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 forget the forget the prestige Spike Lee movie. Get me Jonathan Majors playing wacko Dennis Rodman. Let's go. <laughs> uh, something I'm very excited about, just because I like him as an actor, and it's like been unfortunate that like he hasn't been in like too much. Um, since Star Wars, but John Boyega will star in the Freshening with Kathy Yan set to direct. Yeah, that. Read, read, read off that premise so yeah. people know about it. The sci-fi romance follows a world where a public health initiative causes every American to receive an injection, after which they only see others as the same race and gender as themselves. It's fucked. I mean. But. It could be interesting visually. Yeah. Conceptually, I'm like, I don't know about this. And the thing is, like, Kathy Young is, like, a very interesting director in terms of what she has done recently. Because you may know her as the person who directed Birds of Prey, the Harley Quinn film. But she's also has directed an episode of the greatest ep- of the greatest show on TV succession. And so now we're gonna get and now we're getting this I'm like I okay sure sure uh great news great news we just brought sure up you know that? Matt Reeves Batman uh the Batman part two officially begins filming in November. Just j- just as Dune Part two sets to come out Desert power, my friends. This is my desert power agenda. <laughs> this is this is my favorite news of the week that scrolled across my timeline because it's news we have kind of known for quite some time, but now the Hollywood Reporter has officially confirmed it. Ladies and gentlemen, sign me up. Hook it to my veins. The man, the myth, the legend, John Bernthal 
is returning as the Punisher in Daredevil Born Again. I could not be more excited having watched Daredevil uh, the winter of 2021. We reviewed it for the pod uh, season by season as I watched it. It's one of my favorite shows. I, I like The fact that that show came out in 2015 is crazy for how well it, it's put together and how well it's scripted. John Bernthal is a masterclass menace as the Punisher. I hope that it just continues. We got good looks at Daredevil uh, in She-Hulk, so I'm hoping they just let John Bernthal method act and let him be the Punisher, let him be Frank Castle, uh, because Frank Castle in the MCU is the type of darkness and the type of just like vigilante that we need. So I, I am so excited that it's finally confirmed that our boy John Bernthal is back and will be in the MCU. Uh, yep. Another thing I'll add, um, more news. The Sopranos creator David Chase is working on a new TV series with FX. David Chase, of course, the, uh, the Sopranos, and then there was the prequel film that was made. And now we get more David Chase? Sure, yeah. Uh, the other unfortunate part of Daredevil Born Again, also reported by The Hollywood Reporter, uh, Eldon Henson and Deborah Ann Wall uh, are not returning as Foggy Nelson and Karen Page in Daredevil Born Again. It is unknown if the roles will be recast. I'm bummed out about this just because I thought the chemistry that they all share in that show and the way that that show ended on Netflix at the end of season three. You wanted to see them go back at it again. You wanted to see more from that trio together. So that is unfortunate uh, that they won't be returning as those characters. We'll see what happens with Daredevil Born Again. Obviously, we've talked about it on this show. It's filming for a year. Um, it's going to be 18 episodes, and we'll see what happens with it. But it is unfortunate that, you know, two very liked and adored characters from that show will not be returning speaking of like uh, speaking of liked and adored characters beetlejuice 2 is eyeing to begin filming in late may or early june with tim burton expected to direct and reportedly general Ortega circling a role sign me up give me more keen baby sign me up baby let let keen be a fucking wacko um also very exciting news for me, having not personally seen them yet, uh, but I have wanted to. It's just one of it's one of those things that it's just like slipped by me, like a few of the MCU movies. Uh, Creed and Creed Two just got added to HBO Max this month. I've seen both, so I and, will definitely be divulging into those. L let let me throw out a hot take. I think Creed's a better Philly movie than Rocky. You're not alone in that. I've heard a lot of people say that. And and personally, I like Creed more than Rocky. Interesting. Which which I'll just say that because Rocky's a little more melodramatic, whereas Creed's a little like more of a has a little more action to it. Okay. Uh, but. I very like. I adore the first Creed film because you get everything from 
you get Cheesesteak Place, Schuylkill, The Electric Factory. And That's right. It's The Electric Factory. Yep. Um, you get an actual Cheesesteak Place. You get shots of City Hall. It's not just, oh, steps. Oh, run, uh, run through street. Oh, Philly, uh beat down 70s for like no like this hits the whole city and it made me very happy so uh we've got a series adaptation of from blood and ash in the works at amazon i know it's a widely talked about book series so amazon adapting that does not surprise me one bit uh, we got a new trailer for Carmen releasing on April 21st in New York and L.A. theaters. Um, once that's available, I'll be watching that because shout out to my queen, Melissa Barrera. See, see you, you can have, you can have Mel- Melissa Barrera. I'll have my Scottish King Paul. I think he's Scottish King Paul Mescal. Yeah. Um, Handsome man. So we've got... As of nine hours ago, uh, get ready for this list, everybody. Pedro Pascal, Harrison Ford, Halle Berry, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Paul Dano, Mindy Kaling, Cara Delevingne, and John Travolta among the final presenters announced for this week's Oscars. Okay, so uh, uh, allow me to make some guesses on things here for a second. Why drag Harrison Ford to the award show if not to give Best Supporting Actor to Ki Hui Kwan all this time after Indiana Jones? A. Yep. B. The Halle Berry thing has everyone spooked because with, uh, with Michelle Yeoh being the current betting favorite, to win Best Best Actress, uh, and Halle Berry being the last woman of color to win Best Actress. Um, It seems like a little bit of the Academy may be like, okay, we're going to have Halle Berry announce Best Actress. Fingers crossed this doesn't actually go to Kate Blanchett and we look horrible for doing this. So, yeah. Uh, I've got two things on this next uh, person we're going to talk about. Number one, it's a quote from him. Bob Iger questions the need to keep returning to existing MCU characters rather than introducing new characters. Quote, sequels typically work well for us. Do you need a third or a fourth, or is it time to turn to other characters? Okay, so, so I don't disagree with that sentiment. Like, Let's let let's think of it like this. We had what four Thor movies, and two of them were good. Yeah, all 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 the Captain America films were good, but really yeah. only one one of them was a Captain America film because Fair. civil because Civil Wars co opted into being a uh, it co-opted really into an being, Avengers movie. <laughs> yeah, and, and then Winter Soldiers like. It's a Captain America movie, but it has Avengers, and it introduces Black Panther, and it's Zemo, and it's like all these different things. 
I also think Winter Soldier's the best of that trio. Yes. I'm 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 not gonna disagree on that sent sentiment, but And then we got three Iron Man, we got three Ant Man. Which which we only needed one Ant Man. I'm 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 fine with three Iron Man films. Yeah. Because that's Robert Downey Jr. and you give Robert Downey Jr. the benefit of the doubt because right. he's so good. But it's that uh that 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 was also so early on that it yeah. served to their benefit. But yeah, and then we got two Black Panther movies, which I think both are good. Yeah, awesome. It, it's it's more so the thing that they they are like overdoing it and it. And, and now it's like, ooh, Hem, Hem, Hemsworth's going to play Thor again at some point. Be, because it's like, oh, we're going to have Brett Goldstein in this. And it's like, well, how are you going to make Brett Goldstein relevant now if you're, if, uh, if you don't put him in a just Thor alone? Because how the fuck else does Hercules fit into this? It, Except in like a showing up in Secret Wars. My also thought with that is that the new Avengers lineup, instead of it being Thor, it's going to be Hercules because that does happen in the comics. Um, but they're going to have to eventually fight because they're hardcore like rivals in the comics as well. Yeah, um, it's. I don't disagree with what he's like. Some some of these like, don't need. You don't need a fourth installment in a lot of these. Some of them you don't need a third installment. See Black Panther. Like yeah. Black Panther did a wonderful job with two, and obviously, unmitigated, unforeseen circumstances with Chadwick, uh, that kind of probably led to it really only being where we're at with Black Panther. But I mean, to see how well Ryan Coogler did two movies, that should be evidence to kind of be like, okay, we don't have to overdo it with every character. And I think. For the most part, from what we've gotten in the Disney Plus shows, a lot of people have been receptive to these new characters. Whether it's, you know, the show itself, that's a separate thing. But the characters, I would say, you know, Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight, Kamala Khan, uh, you know, Iman Vellani as, as Miss Marvel. I think Tatiana Maslani as the character She-Hulk, like had mixed results but i think a lot of the issues were people just complaining about the cgi more than anything i thought she crushed as the actual character the new characters have been widely like accepted and and i think really portrayed well and i and i feel like people just want to see more of them because we don't know where they're going with them yeah see my thing is even then it's that they're they're giving us all these new characters like they did in phase four. But the problem is they gave us all these new characters and, but we have no reason to care about them. Right. So, so it's Marvel has a problem of neat of bringing in new characters while also making us care about the characters in question. And I feel like that's the biggest issue. Issue right now because now Marvel is trying to just start from scratch, but is simultaneously trying to deal with the fallout of the last ten years, and that's not functional. 
yeah. at this moment. So they have to figure their shit out because it is not going well. The uh, the other Bob Iger news I have, shout out to my guy Doug Greenberg from Front Office Sports reporting on this. Uh, <laughs> NBA Commissioner Adam Silver is on the short list of people who could be the successor to Bob Iger at Disney as the CEO. I, I, I think I want that. Get, yeah. Get, get, get him out of the NBA question mark. <laughs> I, it, it was one of those things where like you had to double take for a second to make sure you were actually reading something not from the onion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because Fair. Adam Silver and Disney, I was like, huh? Hmm. Huh. And I was like, did, did these talks kind of divulge when they were in the bubble? Because I felt like it came out of nowhere. Um, but a very interesting candidate that seems very likely to be the next Disney CEO after his contract with the NBA is up. Yep. Sure. Weird. Weird, weird. weird selection, but who knows? Uh, we got a you, new trailer. <laughs> we got a new trailer for the Lord of the Rings Gollum uh, that's been released. Uh, it's a I, video game that's going to be released later this year. Yeah, I'm not a big Lord of the Rings fan, um, but who knows? <laughs> a video game playing around as Gollum is hilarious to me. Um, see, see, see. Here's I like Lord of the Rings. It's like, do we need them? Do do, do do we need a uh, do we need one? Speaking of which, uh, where is the Idris Elba, Andy Circus, Andy Circus clip where where they're doing? Uh, uh, no, they they were they they were doing something for the uh, for the Luther film. They are in together, and um, they they were like reading off the cards and stuff, and uh, and uh, and Id and Id and Idris Elba drew uh, drew a got drew a golem one, and and he turned and showed it to Andy Circus, and she just started doing the voice. Amazing! Amazing. And I'm like, oh my god, like. I have to dig that up because it was hilarious. Uh, we talked about Creed earlier, Christian. I don't know how I feel about this. I'm sure Dylan is going to be over the moon. Anime, we... Anime series of Creed in the works, according to Deadline. Sure. <clears throat> as well as a project focus on Adonis Creed's daughter, Amara, being discussed. Sure. Um, this news makes me kind of, like just pisses me off uh, for this person. Uh, Grace, Grace Van Dyne, uh, obviously was Chrissy in Stranger Things Season 4. Um, she says she's been turning down acting gigs to instead focus on streaming on Twitch due to bad experiences on recent projects, including one producer asking her for a threesome. What are we doing? Like, let's get a grip. Like, I thought... Grace was phenomenal in Stranger Things in the limited screen time we got her in, and I've wanted to see her in more things just to see her range as an actor. 
So this is kind of a bummer that, you know, she's got to deal with this bullshit. And I hope, you know, things turn around for her and she, she stays with acting because I think she's very talented and I want to see more from her. I haven't watched Stranger Things, but yeah, Hollywood toxicity continues to smile. Um, Jensen Ackles almost played Batman in Gotham Knights, but couldn't due to scheduling conflicts. Which, uh, uh, which, if we're being, uh, if if we're being honest, rumors have already come around him about him potentially playing, about him potentially playing the, uh, playing the playing the new. Uh, Non Matt Reeves versus Batman, which I'm about sure. It. Yeah, he's he's very handsome. Um, that's all I got on my doc. We also got a final trailer for the Mario movie. Uh, the still sure. shots I've seen look very hilarious, very funny. A uh, lot of memes, a lot of memes. Two words for you, Jack Black. True. Shout out to Nation D. Uh, anything else, Christian, before we get up out of here? Not really. Nope. I think we uh, um, pretty much covered everything except watch the Oscars. Yeah, we will uh, let you know. you got to follow us on the socials at Streamer SZN. We'll let you guys know details about the uh, watch-along for the Oscars, uh, which will happen after our Selection Sunday show happening on our YouTube channel. So big old Sunday of content coming from Underground Sports. So you got to stay tuned. For everything we're doing at streamer SZN, follow us Twitter and Instagram. Follow Christian on Twitter at the Wiz underscore PHI. Follow me at KBIZZL three one one. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five star rating and review, uh, and of course, leave your show and movie recommendations in the Apple Podcast reviews. As Dylan would always say when he is not dealing with the Elvis. Uh, and of course, Ooh, my love, my darling. <laughs> subscribe to the I'm underground sports for your touch. <laughs> I'm coming for your recommendations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> subscribe to the underground sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at underground sports Philadelphia. We're on that road to 500 subscribers. We're at 414 right now. Go subscribe, smash that like button, ring the bell icon. Comment down below your thoughts on everything we discussed on the docket on this episode. And, of course, leave your show and movie recommendations in the comment section as well. And make sure you guys go get your merch, PHI Apparel Company. Uh, it's phiapparel.co and use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all orders. And this has been another edition of Streamer Season, the exclusive mm-hmm. streaming platform TV and movie podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Christian, I'm KB. Go wish Dylan to get back soon so we can get the the entire crew of Calabunga boys back together. Uh, but until next week, we are getting the heck up out of here. See ya. Peace.